Hi there, welcome to Motherhood Mental Health with me. I'm your host, Jeanette Obinion, and today we've got my lovely, dearest friend, Combi Temba, who I've known for a long time, but just to introduce her, Combi lives in Zambia. She's a mother of two to two lovely boys, and she's a life coach. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jeanette. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So as I was saying, we've known each other for a very long time. We went to school together and we met when I was about 11. So we've known each other a while. And really, I just wanted to ask you firstly, actually, as a life coach, what made you sort of get into life coaching as it were? Yeah, so it was never really my plan. Um, in the sense that I was in the corporate world for about 15 years, had a very good job, but I always felt like there was something missing. Um, and at some point, I just decided to resign. I had no plan, uh, no job lined up, but the feeling was so strong, or should I say the calling was so strong. So it was really like jumping off a cliff. It was a leap of faith. Mm. Um, and trusting that God would either catch me or help me land softly. So during this process, I did a lot of soul searching, um, a lot of reflecting and just asking myself a lot of questions. Why am I here? What do I want to do? And um, it actually coincided with me turning 40. So it was also a very... a very interesting, I should say, time in my life because... I did start asking myself a lot of questions and, you know, this was spurred by the idea that having money and material things and a good job were just not enough anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's during this process that I started asking what I love doing. And I really love encouraging people, helping them get through tough times, difficult times. And so I looked for something that I could do along those lines and I came across coaching But it took a long time to actually sign up uh, for a course uh, and get certified because I wanted to make sure this was really what my heart was calling me to do. And so I did eventually get into coaching school. It was an 18-month course. It was amazing um, because it helped me continue the soul searching. I thought I was going to learn how to coach, but I actually learned more about myself in the process. So um, that's basically how I I found myself in coaching. I was going to say, so when you left your job, did you, and you did this course for 18 months, how, were you out of work then when you were doing the course or did you so Yes, so I was out of work, but I had savings Um, because by that time I had, oof, I had been divorced actually got divorced the very same year that I left my job. Wow. Um, so I had, you know, my children to look after and so on. So it was an investment, really, um, knowing that it was going to pay off in future. But of course, it was really what I wanted to do. So I, I relied on my savings and just faith um, yeah. that I was doing the right thing. And how's that going now in terms of, I'm actually interested as well, obviously, 40 is a big year and we start to think about why we're here and what's really important. 
And then, but then juggling the responsibility of being a mom and a parent and also your dreams. So I'm just wondering how, how are you managing? And if someone else is thinking about doing this, what maybe would be your advice? Yeah, um, it's, it's actually a day by day process, to be honest, because I've been a single mom Oh, way before I divorced, uh, from the time I separated from my ex-husband, it's been almost 10 years now. And so it's always been, even now, it, it's a constant, I wouldn't say a struggle, but I have to stop and take a moment and just ask myself, you know, am I getting the balance right? Because initially I focused entirely on my children. I didn't care if I had a social life. I didn't care about pretty much anything. My focus was to provide and make sure that they had everything they needed. But then, especially when I started learning about coaching and learning about things like being fully present in a conversation, I started asking myself, am I being present with my children? You know, what what example am I setting for them? And so... I soon realized that it's important for me to, to focus on me and my children at the same time, as opposed to putting my children first and, and then myself second. So it's a day-by-day thing, like I say, but I make sure that when I think of them, I also think of myself. Um, if I need to do something for myself, like recently I, I went on holiday by myself, um, and I deserved it. I, I had worked for it. I earned it. But, you know, two years ago, I took them on a holiday, spoiled them. We had fun. And so for anyone who, you know, is thinking about pursuing their dreams, but also thinking about their other responsibilities, it can be done. But there'll always be that sense of guilt from time to time, which I believe is healthy. Um, mm-hmm. But what important is never ever to put your dreams your you know that burning passion that that idea that just never goes away never to put those things on the back burner and say well like I used to say you know when my kids go to college then I'll do this um so always to to just keep that in mind and I believe we can all take baby steps you may have a dream but it doesn't mean that you have to pursue it aggressively full on right now. You can take those baby steps, you know, to get there while you're, you're also handling your other responsibilities. Hi guys, it's Jeanette here just interrupting the interview because at this point we had a bit of technical difficulties. Um, so there's a bit of a pause, but Combi goes on to ask me what it was like for me turning 40 to which I respond that my 40s thrust me into motherhood and getting married. And it was an opportunity for me to reflect on my childhood, which wasn't great. So let's jump back into the interview. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So basically, so home life was terrible, terrible, terrible. And then, so for for us now raising kids, it's an opportunity to define what we want for our unit and for our children. And so, so I've been doing a deep work, <laughs> a deep, deep, deep work, painful, mm. just redefining that, um, redefining boundaries for my family, 
and my unit, when I say my unit, it's my husband and I and the kids. And, um, and also it's been painful because a lot of stuff comes up from childhood that didn't happen to me or happened to me. It's an ongoing work I'm doing and also a consciousness that I have to be in an awareness that I have to be in terms of like, when I open my mouth, is it my mother talking or is it me talking? Or is it my grandmother talking? <laughs> Who's talking? Who's in the room, basically? And who do I actually want in the room? Exactly. And, and all of this work and also I'm doing a work around really trying to create space for my children to impact me, which means it's not one way. It's not me just telling them. I want them to have space to tell me because I want them to take ownership of their lives and be empowered um, so that they know what they want and can navigate their space and know so that when... I mean, I could go on and on, but but Combi, then then it's about me. But yeah, but but, but basically, <laughs> no, it's interesting. But the work is, mm. pardon. I was saying it's it's interesting to hear your story and and your journey. So it's it's good. Yeah, it's yeah. um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's um, you know, basically, I just want my children. I I didn't have a voice growing up because my. I was I was in a very controlled environment. My parents were very, very controlling. And then there was a lot of domestic violence and a lot of other stuff. So my voice got swallowed up. I actually did, a, I did an episode on this and I just, I just said everything about what, what happened to me. But so as a result, I made a lot of rubbish, rubbish choices in my life. I didn't know myself. Yeah. So I was with rubbish guys and I just made stupid decisions. And I mean, just... And I hurt, my heart got ripped out of my body so many times from the pain of it all. And um, I want my kids to know themselves and know what's right for them, um, get more and more independence, that they don't need me, they don't need to look for me for answers, they don't need to look for anybody, they don't need to look for a man to answer for themselves or whatever, mm. because they've got it inside them. Because resilience has been baked in. It's been baked in. They know how to say no. They know what boundaries. They know what boundaries are, and and also even if they make a decision for themselves and it's not right, it's okay. Yeah. Because they can just make another decision. There's no hard lines at 18, at 20, at 25, at 30. There's no hard lines. You know, the space to make mistakes and it's okay. But to be afraid to make those mistakes because of someone else and because you're your parents and then is it my parents or me and then I live for my parents and then I'm angry <laughs> well the time I hit 30 or whatever 40 I'm angry that I I spent so much of my time living for them because they had their own insecurities that they needed me to be something um and this is not to blame anybody because I don't know what environment they were brought up in is why they have but it's all baggage basically and the baggage stops here so i'm i'm sort of taking full full accountability and responsibility for as the adult in the room for what goes on and it, it requires a work yeah no i was just gonna say that that i hear you and it's it's because of the level of self-awareness that you've reached that you're able it's like you're taking a step back and looking at how you're parenting as opposed to kind of 
like you said, it's a conscious thing, you know, as opposed to just going with the flow and, you know, seeing what happens if you try this or that. Um, and I think as parents, that's what we should aspire for is to let our children be themselves, let them discover things um, and not force things on them um, and basically not live our lives through them. I think that's that's what I'm also picking up from what you're saying, that you're working on yourself, yes. but you're also giving them space to be themselves. And in the process, as you become more self-aware, you're able to learn from them. So, yeah, that, yes. that, that's what I wanted to say. Like, how did you get to the point yourself of becoming more self-aware? I think it's, it's, um, it started when I was working. Um, because I, I think this, that's what led me to feel like there was something missing. Because I realized I was just waking up for the purpose of going to work. Um, but at some point... I think also maybe it's it's parenthood um, and and these questions that come up from time to time, especially those days where, you know, I used to work long hours and one day I came home <laughs> before it was dark and my son said, Mommy, what's wrong? Why are you back early? And I, I just couldn't believe it that even I... For him to say that, um, I just couldn't believe that I hadn't seen that. And so, you know, it was a process of taking a step back and just looking at my situation and asking myself, yes, I can provide, I, you know, have a good job, I drive a nice car and I've got all these material things, but is it enough for me? Um, is it enough for my children? And also because I didn't spend much time with them. So I think that triggered the process of, of what I call self-discovery. Um, I didn't yes. have the skills then. But when I started training as a coach, of course, that's, that's one of the fundamentals. So that's when I started appreciating what it really means to be self-aware and how you, you don't always like what you find. Um, and the other thing also, in addition to self-awareness was the self-talk, um, the labels that I was giving myself and, um, how, and the meaning I was giving to those labels. And so I think it's, it's a continuous journey, uh, the self-awareness journey. It's a beautiful one because once you're able to look at yourself and, and say, you know, I used to think this was a weakness, but I really love this about myself. Um, like for me, my sensitivity from childhood, I've been super sensitive. I always thought it was a weakness. Um, and yeah, I'd always be told, why do you cry so easily? Don't cry. You know, crying is a sign of weakness. Um, but now I embrace it. You know, when I need to cry, I cry. I let the tears out and it's like a cleansing process. I, I feel good and I even encourage my boys to do the same. So it's a continuous uh, process. I love the discovery part of it. Um, and actually, last week, 
I, I had to have um, my yellow fever vaccine for my next trip. And the nurse who, who was giving me the injection, when I lifted my sleeve, exclaimed and said, wow, I love your tattoo. What does it mean? So I started explaining that, oh, actually, it's, it symbolizes me and my boys. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm a single mom. So that's why it's just the three of us. And she said, oh, how long have you been a single mom? I said, oh, 10 years. It's, it's been tough. And, and then she looked at me and said, but why, why do you call yourself a single mom? Because it sounds like you've done an amazing job. And I stopped and I didn't know what to say because I was thinking, she's right. I mean, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, oh, it's been a challenge, but it's rewarding. And she, she made me think about, she reminded me about the self-awareness journey and how as self-aware as I am, I wasn't aware that I was attaching a negative connotation to being a single mom. And, you know, the fact that, why didn't I say it was rewarding and challenging? Why did I start with the challenging part? So it just got me thinking um, about my own perspective of, of me, um, how that label though it's i mean we use it all the time and there's nothing wrong with it but it's the meaning that i attached to it and it, it took me back to because this is typical of me when things like this happen i go and sit and reflect and journal and just see what what came up for me it took me back to my years in therapy when i had to deal with guilt guilt of being a single mom guilt um then this is what i thought of robbing my children of a two-parent home and, and so on so this one moment with the vaccine just reminded me how even our our level of self-awareness keeps evolving and that we should never be we should never be afraid to embrace that that as we become more and more self-aware more and more things come up and you know, it gives us a moment, like for me, I was able to stop and just say, you've got to change the narrative, girl. You've got yes. to change the, that's it. You've just got to it's, change the narrative. It's enough. <laughs> you know, we know. <laughs> so that was the beautiful part of it. And also it's liberating, isn't it? Mm. And potentially empowering. Very. It's interesting. It's um. It is a it's a it's a lifelong work, isn't it? This being self aware, and how we feel about those labels, and how comfortable we are in the car or without the car or whatever with the, with yeah. the homes or whatever, or whatever, just keeping up with the Joneses. Um, you know, and I've gone from saying, "Oh, my house," I, you know, no, I say I'm a stay at home mum, but there's been times when I'm I'm just quiet or I just try to get out of conversations with what what do you do because. It's almost like, well, I, I just, I've changed nappies all day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So everyone, everyone has their thing. Yeah. Everyone has their thing, their thing, the internal struggles that they're battling with of identity and, you know, how they're perceived and, you know, what they're putting out there. It's, it's something. 
Yeah. And mm. and just to yeah. add on something there, it's it's a lot to do with with how we perceive ourselves. Um, yeah. When you talked about being a stay-at-home mom. You know, I've heard women say, oh, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. And I think, how can you just say, ju- how can you say just? Because it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's a lot of Yes. You know, <laughs> but Kombi, it's a lot of work, but it's not, it's look, it's a thankless job. I don't get a bonus. I don't get a flashy car. I don't get promotions. I don't get a title. There's no business card. And nobody, no one sees the rewards no one you know what i mean mm. it's like oh you at all it's only when and I, I was actually thinking about doing an episode just on this so it really is one it's like no one sees it i mean there are i go the whole day without speaking to an adult once my husband goes mm. <laughs> that's it so it's really quite lonely actually and that's part of why i think i'm doing this podcast one of many reasons but it's very isolating and and I've made a conscious decision to step out of the adult world, of the work world, of all that, to pour into my kids. But it is, I think, as I've said, the main challenge is this is for for me personally is that I don't get a bonus, I don't get, I don't get all the you know the titles that you're talking about. I know, I I hear you, and it still goes back to to how we perceive ourselves because. If I'm 110% honest with you, I'd, I'd much rather be a stay-at-home mom. I, I, I'm one of those people who I love cleaning. I love, you know, oh. yes, I love pottering around the house. I love organizing and decluttering. And so I'd much rather be home than, than in the corporate world working. Um, and it's interesting because you may not you may not get the bonus and the the reward but those are external things um i i always tend to think of motherhood as one of those things that the reward is very much an internal one um because when you look at your kids growing up and even just when they learn how to talk when they can hold a spoon by themselves and you know the small things it's because of you it's because of the time the presence the love the sacrifice that you've put in and for me that's a much more meaningful reward than receiving a bonus at work which is nice you get to tell everyone about it and you get to spend the money but I don't know I I think yeah, that that's that's something that I've always had a challenge with, um, and and I also have a challenge with with women who who look down on other women who are stay at home moms, and mm. you know almost they belittle it to some extent. Not all of them, but that they're those that would belittle it and put their you know going out because they physically leave the house to work it's somehow more superior um so i i've learned to embrace however all the the perceptions because i think 
sometimes you have to experience something to really, really understand it and to be able to empathize. So I always say that it's, it's, it's the internal reward that matters. Um, when I look at my boys and I see how polite, um, how thoughtful, how, you know, my son will come home and say, look, a girl said a bad word to me, but you've always told me never to be mean, you know, or rude to girls and never. To, so I, I couldn't say anything back. Then I know that that is or rather that is a reward for me internally because then i know i'm doing something right and yeah. it's much more meaningful than than being able to come home and say yay i got a promotion you know what i mean it's 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 just completely different for me anyway yeah yeah and i think this is i think you know i think this is you know you mentioned last time this is the i guess the challenge of a woman and the onion because I think there's so many layers to yes. us or me. So there's me, the mummy, me, the wife, and then Jeanette. And all of these, I guess, permutations have to exist in the same space. And so, um, I don't know if it's at the same time, that's questionable, isn't it? <laughs> but, you know, and I think it's the balance, it's this dance of you know, what, what do I do or what's, you know, what's for the children or what's for me personally or what's for me professionally or me intellectually and, and, and what that looks like really differs from person to person, isn't it? I know some moms who could never stay at home with their kids and they say that they need to work for them to come back and feel refreshed and able to give to mm. their to their children and whether they have their husbands stay at home or their partners stay at home or they have nannies and help, whatever, they have to do that for them and their sense of self and I guess well-being. But you're right, there is a real backlash about women that stay at home and then also, I guess, you know, I mean, women just, just women can be really <laughs> tough on women anyway, whatever you do. You know, in, but boy, it's not easy, is it? It's just uh, no, a tightrope. It, it's it's a tough one because that's what being authentic means. It, it's it's you know when you've you're even aware of the onion and you're peeling the layers. It's that awareness that as I peel off each layer, I'm getting more and more authentic, and or at least I'm getting closer to embracing the 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 full me you know every part yes. of me and and from there you get to be authentic you get to be able to say you know what this isn't right for me uh, and so i'm putting a boundary right here and i'm not even going to apologize for it anymore because i used to apologize oh. no i used to apologize for setting boundaries and then i realized that no 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 I have to enforce, set and enforce these boundaries in order for me to be and stay authentic and for people to get to know me. That that is yes. also important because if I am myself, people get to know me and the people who don't like me get to distance themselves. So it, it, it works out. It makes my life much, it's much easier. Exactly. Um, 
and also I think as parents um, it's important for our children to to see us being authentic and to appreciate that it's okay to be yourself um, because even like you were saying earlier when when they're older and they're out there and they're having to navigate the world and and set their own boundaries if we have set an example that you know your anchor is is your authenticity then it it equips them and they're able to say no i mean this is not me or this is me um so i i mean i've always i've always loved the idea of being authentic and a couple of yes. years ago i i set it as one of my personal core values that actually when i stopped my corporate job i vowed that i would never ever put up an act or you know just behave in a way that is not true to me and that has really it's a challenge um but i believe it has really helped me to to get to where i am today where i can stand up and say look this is this is me I'm an empath, I'm an introvert, I'm highly sensitive, I cry when I watch sad movies, um, but I have a huge heart and I have this passion about helping women and, and I can say all these things and not think, oh, but what if someone challenges me about being sensitive or what if someone doesn't like this part about myself? Um, but also I should add that being in a very unhappy marriage for a long time and pretending things were okay was another another driver um, when I was healing yeah. to to make sure that authenticity should never ever be my authenticity should never be compromised again looking back I wonder you know how you found yourself in, in a situation not living authentically mm -hmm. In a in marriage and then it ending up not working out yeah you know it's 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 reminded me of that question reminds me of a quote i don't know who said it but life has to be lived forwards but it can only be understood backwards and it took a long time for me to heal from the divorce i mean i still feel like i'm healing even now but in the process of healing, I was able to look back and because one of the questions I kept asking myself is, how did I end up with this guy and how did I even end up getting divorced? Because it was never, ever my intention, like anybody who gets married to get divorced. But it, it actually goes back to my childhood. Um, and this came up in therapy and, and even just the personal development and the work. Um, when I was a child, I grew up as a people pleaser. Uh, of course, as a child, I didn't know it then, but as an adult, I now understand. I equated pleasing my parents with, you know, being worthy of their love. So in my child mind, I thought that the more I pleased my parents, the more I did what they wanted, the more they loved me. When in fact, they loved me either way. 
I mean, that's that's more than evident now, um, especially that where well, as an adult, I'm able to talk about it with them, and and I realized that I carried that people pleasing mentality into my adult life, and I had a very low self esteem. Um, so I thought that my worth and my value came from how much I pleased somebody and then got their approval and their love in return. So when I met my ex-husband, I was, first of all, I didn't even know what authenticity meant, but I was in a space where I thought, you know, oh, if I can please him, you know, if I can do things the way he wants, if I can do what he wants, if I, you know, don't challenge him, he'll be happy with me and he'll approve of me and he'll love me. So I went into the marriage with that kind of mentality. And as time went on, um, I mean, <laughs> when with that kind of mindset, you think control is okay. Because in my mind, I thought, well, you know, it's not control. Um, he's just telling me what he wants and, and I'll do what he wants. Uh, cutting off family and friends, um, small things, not getting a tattoo because he completely detested them and, and, you know, didn't approve of them. And with time, I lost me. I lost the fiery, um, cheeky, fun-loving combe. You know, I, I just became safe um, because I wanted to maintain the image he wanted me to maintain. Um, the the kind of, for lack of a better term, the subservient wife, um, you know, who doesn't really challenge a husband, who does what she's supposed to do, when she's supposed to do it, how she's supposed to do it. Um, but of course, with time, um, I, because of my state of mind, I completely ignored red flags. I refused to accept that his behavior was unacceptable. And I mean, it's, it's quite deranged, but I actually used to defend his bad behavior. Um, but eventually, and I, I believe it's inevitable, um, you know, the red flags kind of become huge and they knock you over the head and you can't ignore them anymore. Um, and so I started this journey of, of acceptance, just accepting that, look, his behavior is not okay and stop defending it. Call it out. It's not okay. And it's, it's okay for you to say, no, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. And so by the time, you know, the marriage was, I would say, fizzling out in the sense that I, I was beginning to wake up. And um, now when people would point out and say, you know what, it's, it's not okay. Instead of defending, I, I may not have said anything, but deep down, I would agree. Um, so there just came a time where, I mean, he was not he was not fighting for the marriage. So towards the end, it was very much a lonely process for me because I was really, I did not want it to end. Um, but in any case, um, he had another family, so he had already moved on 
I think mentally, emotionally, in, in every way. And it just reached the stage where I had to accept that it was over. And as soon as I did that, things just started. The truth, I would say, became extremely explicit. Things started coming up. Um, I began to see things in a very different light. And it was extremely liberating for me. Um, so that's how it, it came to an end. So the liberation was short-lived, I should say, because then came the healing, you know, the understanding what went on, um, what was my role, because for a long time I blamed him for everything. Um, but I never set boundaries. I allowed him to do what he wanted. I allowed him to walk all over me. Um, so I had to now start looking at my role in, in it. And it then helped me understand how I got into it, how I stayed for so long. And I think more importantly, it has empowered me because now I'm able to stand and say, you know, this kind of behavior is unacceptable. I will not accept it. And if I met a guy today who displayed, you know, any iota of that kind of behavior, I would not even give him a minute. That would be it. It's thank you, no thanks. Yeah. You go your way, I go my way. So yeah, that that was my my journey. Um, and and basically, I I ascribe my role in the marriage to to childhood I, w I don't like to call them wounds per se but childhood issues um, that I had yes. to work through and even now there are other aspects that I have to work through um, but yeah mainly it, it went back to my childhood let me say you know firstly I'm sorry that you had to go through so much pain to get to liberation and this amazing place of being self-aware and knowing more about yourself and setting boundaries and things like this. I'm, I have to ask you, do you think that one has to go through the pain to get to this place? Is it possible at 21 to become fully self, like uh, fully self-aware and, or does it take, must you go through, must we go through fire? Question mark. Hmm. I believe so. My, my current focus now in my coaching is, is dealing with major changes in our lives. And for me, it's, it's going through extremely challenging, excruciatingly painful, I almost want to give up, it's not worth living kind of experiences that get us to a place where we embrace self-awareness. We're not afraid anymore of what we're going to find. And we're not afraid of what's coming around the corner anymore um, because we've been, we've been there. Um, so for example, I don't look at my divorce as a negative thing anymore. I really don't. I believe that it was destined to happen. And quite frankly, it, it built me to be the woman that I am. Because if I remove the word divorce and the word marriage, the experiences, the lessons, they're so rich, you know, that there's so much th that I learned and, and there's so much that I'm passionate about 
sharing with other women who are going through it that you know when you're in it it's so dark and so you feel so helpless and confused and lost and you know even in the midst of it you're thinking but who is this person who allowed so much nonsense and crap to go on in her life this is not me there's an identity battle in there that has to be fought so i do believe that we we do have to go through the fire i'm not saying you know that any any other change in life or or life process cannot get us there but i believe the experiences are deeper and richer when you've been either at rock bottom or or close to rock bottom it builds this fire in you that can't go out whereas before in my case that fire could easily be extinguished by someone saying something it would have gone out um but now because of what i've been through and, and even professionally leaving the corporate world going into being an entrepreneur with no idea what i was doing and then recently actually i've gone back into the corporate world those are major life issues you know they they really challenge you to examine who you are but they also yes, push you it changes yes they really push you outside your comfort zone um that leap of faith i talked about earlier it's it, it's frightening because everyone is looking at you and thinking what is wrong with her she left a secure well-paying job to do what she doesn't even know what she's doing and there are all these voices and you're thinking you know maybe they're right maybe you know i shouldn't have done it but that's how it's meant to be yeah for me i think reaching the level of of self-awareness that we have reached is attributable to what we've gone through and the depths that we've gotten to um yes. and and had to now in my case claw my way back up out of the pit and not you know i can look back and i'm like yeah yeah it's cool but i'm 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 climbing up and if anyone is is not interested in climbing up with me or they want to talk me out of climbing up out of this pit i'm not interested i really don't have the time or the effort to explain it i'm i'm climbing um so f- to to get to that is it it comes from the experience yes i know this i know this climbing out, out of the pit hmm um wow okay so i have a, a final few last little questions um before we end so if you were to write a book tomorrow what would you write about wow i i would write about yeah about handling a major life change not so much telling the story but picking out those magic moments the light bulb moments the the moments where you wake up and say okay i think this is it no more going straight we're going left and we're not turning back kind of moments um and i would probably also share my lessons because i'm a strong believer in in turning your pain into purpose um and i part of my work as a coach is i always want other women to know that they're not alone that they're not the first to go through something and that there's always somebody who's gone ahead of them who they can open up to and and get support from so i would love to do that kind of book oh that sounds lovely i love the i love the idea of turning your pain into purpose mm. 
So what would, what would you say is your biggest failure and what did you learn from that? When I look back, I think, um, you know, when I left my job, like I said, I didn't have a plan. Um, but one of the things I wanted to do was to, because I love doing nails and, and things like that. So I thought, I, you know, I'll open a beauty salon and I actually traveled to China. I, I selected all my own salon furniture and equipment and I was geared to come back and and start running my business. But along the way, because I I had now reached a stage where I wasn't doing things that were not aligned with with me and with you know that strong pull that had pulled me away from the corporate world. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do anything that was just wishy-washy. I, I wanted to do something that I believed my heart was asking me to do. So as much as I had a passion, and I still do have this passion for for the beauty industry, it just it just wasn't it didn't feel hundred percent right. So I just one day said, "That's it. I'm not doing it." And I started selling off all my salon furniture, and it took a long time because you know I'd spent a lot of money in it and even just the cost of traveling there and I didn't even I made a huge loss because I couldn't even recover what I'd spent but when I look back it was the best thing I did because if I'd continued I would have been doing it because I was scared of what people would say if I didn't do it and I I do remember someone saying oh you changed your mind and I said, yes, I changed my mind. It's, it's that simple. So that's the lesson that I learned that I think you mentioned it earlier as well with your kids that you can make a decision that's bad or that doesn't work out for you. And you're also free to make a different decision. You're allowed to change your mind and, and move on. And so that's what I learned about that particular failure. And finally, um, where can people find you if they want to stay in contact and connect with you? So the, the easiest place to find me is through my website, which is www.lifecoachcombe.com. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn um, with the handle lifecoachcombe. Cool. Thank you so much for your time again. Um, it's been really, really, really lovely catching up.